in a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win! You know what time it is. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic. Welcome in to the Sports Hour today. It is good to be here, Mitch. We are recording this on September 6th. It is game week in the NFL. We've got football coming, Mitch, on Thursday night. Bills, Rams, and then the kickoff of a great season of the NFL to look forward to. It's that time of year. I am so excited for this. I started looking at my fantasy football lineups and all of my leagues and realizing I had to set those this week. I was like, it's, it's finally here. It is finally here. Don't be that guy that forgets to set his fancy lineup week one. You've been waiting Never. all this time <laughs> for football and you can't forget week one. I mean, they say that Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. I would think that week one of the NFL is a pretty close second. That's a pretty close I second. You I mean, know us here. You know where we stand on that. Yes. We love Christmas, eggnog, and football. <laughs> They're both. A, a, 1A and 1B, I guess. That's right. That's oh, right. Mitch, uh, we've got a fun podcast in store last week was the Megasode. A great time was had. Predictions were made. I was waiting for you to make the Megasode noise. Can you? I said oh, so, Megasode. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I was waiting for it. I mean, I said the word. I feel like it's I like kinda, if I say the word, you have to say, you have to make it, you know? It's like no I, matter I, what, I, even in, in out of context. That's on me. That's I dropped the ball. That's on me. But. <laughs> That was your cue, Mitch. Yeah, yeah that was my <laughs> Read the script, okay? We've got a script here. Uh, could you imagine? What, what, what page are we on, by the way? Being... <laughs> could you imagine if we tried to script this shit? Couldn't I don't be even done. know where we begin. Couldn't be done. Would it be like a... Yeah, like it couldn't be I, done. I'm like, I'm, I don't even know what we would do. That would like be a, a crazy thing. Oh, yeah. Whoa, I do love those. You'd be Drama. Ron. I'd be Rodrigo. Yeah. Uh, I'll always remember this one. This had the best name of any. I don't know how good it was because I only caught it in spurts, but it was called El Nino Que Viene Del Mar, which translates to the boy who came from the ocean. It was about a boy who mysteriously arrived one day just out of the ocean, and these people just didn't know what to do about it. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Whose goddamn baby is that? Where did he come from? It was just like it, it was like an eight-year-old child, if I remember right. Like it was like you know, I I don't know, crazy. 
I'll always awesome. remember that name just because it was just so specific. So there you go. <laughs> uh, bitch, the podcast today. Uh, we've got quick picks at the very end. Quick picks are back. It's the, it's it's uh, week one, so we got to make our picks. We're back at it again. Uh, also on the back side of the podcast, we'll be doing NFL award predictions. On the front side, though, we've got news and the return of the campus tour. That's right. Week one of the college football season wrapped up on Monday night with Clemson and Georgia Tech. And uh, it was a fantastic week in a college football that we will recap and then preview uh, season or week two. So uh, that is what we have in store today, Mitch. Uh, it should be fun. Should be a good time. We're recording this on September 6th, the first episode in September of 2022. And before we jump into the news, Mitch, I do want to give a special shout out to someone who's very special to the podcast and to both of us. And that's Grandma Patty. Oh, we didn't talk about her last week. uh, And mainly because I was out of the house. I recorded in a hotel room. I was traveling for work. So uh, I wasn't there. But. Uh, grandma Patty, uh, Mitch's grandma, my grandma adopted, uh, wonderful lady, uh, also a big Dodgers fan. It's probably why we always got along so well. Uh, but you know, as Vin Scully, uh, passed recently, she sent us both a nice gift, uh, that's on our desks as we record a little sign with a microphone and a saying from the late great Vin Scully that says, uh, hi, everybody, and a very pleasant good evening to you, wherever you may be. Uh, and I I love that. It's a great reminder of Vince Scully, who inspires uh, both of us, as you hear him in the Sports Hour intro. I mean, it is uh, part of why we do this. And uh, just a great thank you and a special shout out to Grandma Patty for these uh, for that wonderful reminder. That was uh, that was very cool. She is one of my favorite ladies on this planet. And yeah, I mean, it was just very sweet of her. Um, she's a, like you said, she's a big daughter's fan. So she was so sad when, when Vin passed away. Um, she never misses a game, not a single one. If she re- can't watch it, she records it and she makes sure she watches that one before she watches the next one. Cause it's like a, <laughs> it's like a TV series for us. She has to know what yeah. happened the day before. <laughs> so, uh, yes, shout out to, uh, lady I call Mugga. I've, I've called her Mugga since I was, just a wee lad. So I love that. Great. It is wonderful and a great reminder there. Uh, so, yeah. All righty, Mitch. Uh, shall we get things started here with the news? I think we should. Let's get into the news and notes around the world of sports. Let's get into the news. <laughs> Boy. Nice. Hot. It hot. is hot. We are in this heat bubble here in in the South American Southwest. Mitch over in California, uh, me over in Utah. Record highs as most of our listeners are experiencing. I know a lot of our listeners are in these areas, and so uh, you're probably feeling it as well. It is miserable. 114 degrees today. No fun. No that is not good fun. for anybody. No, it should be illegal to do shit when it's 114 <laughs> degrees outside it should be illegal to get that hot like we should find the sun 
like you sit him down two billion dollar fine from the fcc to the sun for excessive heat cut this shit out it's not funny (laughs) send him a warning uh mitch we've only got a bit of news before we get into the campus tour but this is a big one and it's something that we've been monitoring (coughs) for the whole off season uh, the NBA trade market has been bubbling, right? Rudy Gobert gets dealt. Then it's Kevin Durant wants out of Brooklyn. Then it's rumors of Donovan Mitchell to the New York Knicks and whatnot. And then it, for months, just kind of everything went quiet, right? And we didn't hear anything. Rumblings every couple weeks, but nothing substantial. A few weeks ago, Kevin Durant, the Brooklyn Nets announced, he would be staying in Brooklyn. Kyrie staying in Brooklyn. Apparently, they are making it work. They're making a run at it again. Uh, so that ship sort of ended and maybe triggered uh, the beginnings of what became the Donovan Mitchell trade talks. And Donovan Mitchell has been dealt. The Jazz have done it. The Jazz have torn it all down. Well, they're in the process because they've got assets. They'll still be moving. But they moved the second of the two pillars of their all-stars, their playoff team. Donovan Mitchell traded not to the New York Knicks, but to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, Donovan's going to Cleveland, and in return, the Jazz get uh, Laurie Markkinen, who was once a lottery pick drafted by the Chicago Bulls. Uh, Rookie Ochai Agbaji uh, from Kansas, uh, who was just selected in the 2022 NBA draft. Colin Sexton, who comes on a new deal, a four-year, $72 million deal for Sexton. Three unprotected first-round picks and two pick swaps. And Mitch, uh, I want to talk about this from the Jazz perspective first. And then let's talk about it for Cleveland and where they move from here. But for the Jazz, it is remarkable what the team has gotten in return for Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. I mean, this is, this is what they've gotten 13 unprotected or lightly protected first round picks and two 2022 first round picks guys that are rookies this year and Ochai Agbaji from Cleveland and Walker Kessler, who came in return uh, for the Rudy Gobert trade. They've also got Boyan Bogdanovich, Jordan Clarkson, and Mike Conley, who are all on the roster, who could be moved. Uh, They traded Royce O'Neal to the Nets for a first round pick. I mean, the Jazz have very quickly torn this thing down completely to the studs. And it's clear to see the influence of Danny Ainge, who has recently joined the front office to make big decisions like this. And we saw his wheeling and dealing what he did in Boston to turn them into what is now a finals contender. And clearly the vision is here in Salt Lake to repeat that process. But what they've done is unprecedented. Turning those two players into this hall is unprecedented. No wonder Kevin Durant didn't get traded, Mitch. Like, what would you put together for him when Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert are going for the prices they did? Like, what could a team even feasibly put together that, that would that would match the value of Kevin Durant at this point? Uh, it is incredible what they have done. 
and how they've broken down this team. Uh, clearly, there's a vision. We can get into that. But just your thoughts and reaction to the Jazz decision to move these two guys and the haul that they've gotten in return. I mean, like you said, it happened all really quickly. And um, testament to Danny Ainge's ability to be able to move big stars. He's We've seen him make moves for big stars. I believe he was the GM behind the big three of Garnett, Ray Allen, and uh, Paul Pierce. Bringing Garnett and Ray Allen in was was his doing as well. I mean, he's, he's no stranger to this type of stuff. Um, you mentioned the winners that he built there over the recent years. Um, yeah, there's no possible way anyone could ever put up any package that would be big enough for Kevin Durant now. <laughs> uh, there's just no way. There's just no, except for maybe the, except for maybe the Jazz, if they just like yeah, maybe <laughs> traded everything that they just got away <laughs> for Kevin the Durant. The big braid, 13 prote- unprotected first rounder picks for Kevin Durant, who says no. I don't know. It's a hard bargain. <laughs> uh, granted, that would set the franchise back probably about a decade, but you know, <laughs> it's a. Uh, yeah, it's just remarkable what they've gotten in return. Um, big brain stuff from from Danny Ainge early yeah, on I mean, here in Utah. We'll see if it pays off. Certainly they saw the writing on the wall and the ceiling that was had with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. And that was at best, what, maybe a conference finals? They'd only reached the second round at best. Like maybe the ceiling was a conference finals, but even when they had the best record in the NBA, they couldn't make the conference finals. Right. So it's this team underperformed and clearly they saw that the head coach is gone. The two stars are gone. It's Will Hardy there. It is Ochai Agbaji and Walker Kessler and, you know, Jared Vanderbilt. And they're going to just uh, Colin Sexton leading the bunch. And they're just going to see where it goes next year. The, the plan and the goal and the dream for the Jazz for San Antonio, for Oklahoma City, these teams that have sort of sold off pieces and resigned to tanking this next season. The prize at the end of the finish line is Victor Wembenyama, uh, who is the seven foot two big man from France. One of the most highly coveted prospects since Zion, since LeBron James. I mean, that's who we're talking about. And that's who these teams have their sights set on. So will it, you know, will it work? Who knows? But the Jazz have put themselves in a position to not only lose a lot of games, but have the subsequent draft capital that it would take to move up to the number one pick if they weren't able to be there. So clearly that's the vision. Will it pay off? Will he be worth it? Will they get him? I mean, time will tell, but uh, that seems like the, the move. That seems like the motivation here. And we'll see how it works for the Utah Jazz. Mitch, for the... Cleveland they were, just, years. were they just tired of the French guy they had in search of the new French guy? Is that what it was? Yeah. Or? No, they saw a great, long, uh, great defensive Frenchman, and they're like, <laughs> if only he could play on the perimeter. And then they saw Victor Wembanyama, and they were like, oh, there he is. Right there. <laughs> like, go get him. He's, he's just right there. So we'll go get that guy. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm dying here. For the Cavs, Mitch. Um, Cavs were a sneaky good team last year, right, for that first half. You had Jarrett Allen, who was an all-star. Evan Mobley had a great rookie year. Uh, things were really rolling. Darius Garland was a, was an all-star last year. Uh, they, they faltered down the stretch, didn't pay off the way that they wanted. But you saw the momentum. You saw, like, okay, this is what they're building towards. And, man, I think Donovan Mitchell to this is, like, perfect. 
it is perfect, Mitch. Donovan and Darius Garland is going to be one of the most potent scoring backcourts in the league, let alone the Eastern Conference. And the one weakness that you would see from that setup is who the hell is playing defense? Because those are not good defensive guards. That's what Donovan's biggest weakness is what you saw in Utah. But what did Utah do to mitigate that? They had a Rudy Gobert. And what does the Cavs have? Jarrett Allen and Evan Mobley. Like both those guys are elite defensive players. Both can protect the win, but Mobley can play on the perimeter with his athleticism and that length. So I think they have the right pieces to complement what Donovan Mitchell does well, pairing him with Darius Garland, adding the pick and roll game from the Utah Jazz that Donovan is so familiar with that he did so well uh, and incorporating that more into the Cavs offense. I just, I think this is really intriguing. Like where do they stack up in the East? You know, Boston, Milwaukee, Miami. And then like, maybe we could talk about Cleveland. Maybe they're in that conversation there, depending on where Brooklyn's at, depending on where Philly's at. Like, I don't think it's unrealistic to think they could be a top four seed and hosting, you know, home court advantage in the first round. I don't know. That's kind of where I think. What what, what are your thoughts? I don't think. Yeah, I don't think that's out of the question either, because like we've seen the health issues, health issues with Brooklyn. Kevin Durant had a hard time staying healthy. Kyrie Irving just like flat out doesn't show up half the time. Um, Miami, Milwaukee, those are going to be tough teams to deal with, right? And I think that you can kind of lock those two in um, to a top four spot unless things don't go as planned. But I don't think it's crazy for Cleveland to be a top four team. I see them probably in that four to six seed range right now. But Absolutely. I mean, this is this is a total game changer uh, for for Cleveland. They're going to have an absolute dominant backcourt with two killers at the point there um, that uh, is going to completely change uh, what's been going on in Cleveland over the last few years and and continue to build on the momentum that they built up uh, last year. Yeah. You know, I I am bummed for Salt Lake City. I'm bummed for jazz fans because Donovan was a well-beloved player who even throughout this summer, it was never Donovan Mitchell wants out. Donovan Mitchell requested a trade. He never did. You know, whatever he made, whatever he said, he said behind closed doors, you know, whatever he felt like he kept to himself, but he was a great ambassador to the city. He embraced Utah, embraced Salt Lake. I think the fans here embraced him back and it's uh, it's not often you get all-star level talents like him with small market franchises like salt lake i'm glad he's in cleveland i i think that they will embrace him as well in a in a franchise uh that recently knows winning from the uh, lebron james years can he bring them back to uh that sort of level we'll see but uh certainly intriguing you mentioned you mentioned the you know how you know Salt Lake City embracing Donovan Mitchell as a well-beloved player? You working in sports media in Salt Lake City? I mean, what's the feel around the city uh, amongst Jazz fans and losing Donovan Mitchell? Are they bummed Donovan Mitchell's out, or are they excited of the haul that they got and the prospect of what can be happening here in the future? There's not a lot of excitement right now, Mitch. And no. to be honest, I think people are more upset over the shitty jerseys than they are Gobert and Mitchell <laughs> being traded because the fans hate the jerseys. They're like, these guys are fine, but like, 
these jerseys suck. Like, what are we doing? So, uh, yeah, no, I mean, there's not a lot of optimism. And again, like, it's going to be, if you're the Jazz, you are selling teams on the future. Victor Wembenyama, these young players, all these picks, it's going to be something. We're going to build it up right, and we're going to be Boston. We're going to be Golden State. We're going to be Phoenix. We're going to be these franchises that all did that, right? You know, they had young players. They had the early draft picks. They turned that into something. And that's what they've got to sell fans here on. But right now, there's not a lot of optimism. I mean, the Jazz are hosting the All-Star game here in February. For the first time in 30 years was the last time the Jazz hosted back in 1993 in Salt Lake City with Carl Malone and John Stockton. And they just traded away the two All-Star players they had. They're not going to have an All-Star in the game. Like, Colin Sexton is going to average 20 points a game for this team next year because somebody's got to score the points, but he's not making the All-Star team. They're going to host the game without an All-Star. They just traded those guys away. But Gobert and Mitchell will be back here. They'll be back in Salt Lake with their new teams. And so it's just a weird situation now. Uh, And that's just what happens when franchises uh, reset, you know. Uh, And that's uh, where the Jazz are at right now. Okay. So, uh, Mitch, that's going to do it for the NBA news. Let's get a little NASCAR update. First week of the NASCAR playoffs. Um, we were in Darlington. In Darlington, <clears throat> one of those classic NASCAR tracks, been on the schedule continuously since 1950. Um, we have another first-time winner on the year. Unfortunately, uh, he's not in the playoffs. So too little, too late. <laughs> too little, too late. He was one of those guys that was one of those. He was one of those borderline guys that uh, had a great run at Daytona. I thought probably could have won that race uh, had. Um, he'd not been caught up in a couple wrecks, uh, but Eric Jones goes mm. back to victory lane at Darlington, his second Southern 500 win in his young career. Um, one of those old crown jewel races that people want to win is the Southern 500. And, uh, it's been a tradition in, in, um, the Southeast for a long time. He wins it for the second time. He's actually the first non-playoff driver to win a postseason race since NASCAR introduced the format in 2014. So um, we had a a couple of firsts here. We also had the 200th victory for the number 43 car. Uh, Richard Petty took that thing, of course, in a a staggering 192 times. Um, Eric Jones becomes another one of those guys added to the list alongside John Andretti, Bobby Hamilton, and Eric Almirola. Great race overall. Uh, I thought it was a super competitive race. Eric Jones ran up front a lot, a lot of the of the night. Wound up passing Denny Hamlin for with about 20 laps to go, and just held him off and outran him. Uh, there wasn't really anyone that was going to come and catch Eric Jones. Fun fact about this race: uh, this is the first time the night the 43 has been in victory lane at Darlington since 1967, and it was on September 4th, 1967. So to the day, wow, it was that. 40, 35, 45 years since they've been since they've been in victory lane, but the 45, 55 years. Yeah. To the day since the last time it was in victory lane. Um, Eric Jones brings it home for petty GMS. Um, Just a quick look at the rest of the top 10. Denny Hamlin, Tyler Reddick, Joey Logano, Christopher Bell, Michael McDowell, Brad Keselowski, William Byron, Bubba Wallace, and Alex Bowman rounds out your top 10. So um, yeah. Another great run. It's going to be a good time next week 
um, as we head to Kansas Motor Speedway. Probably my least favorite track on the circuit right now. It's okay. It, it's cookie cutter. It's uh, it's one of those mile and a halfs where it can get a little dry. So I'm hoping that that's not mm. going to be the case. But um, yeah, Kansas next week, second race of the round of 16. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Love to see it. Thanks. It's, for... it's hard to hype up a race at Kansas. I'm not gonna lie. It's, it's hard really to hard. hype up anything about Kansas, Mitch. Let's be honest. It's, it's like probably a bottom five state in the United States. Is that oh, like? That's... I mean, that's easy. Yeah, Kansas. I mean, good. West Virginia's down there. Mississippi's down there. Like Kansas, you're down there. I'm sorry. Yeah, Kansas, Nebraska. Nebraska, Iowa. you know? Yeah, it's it's tough. Sorry, guys. You hate to see it. <laughs> Be better. It. Be better. Be Step your game up. Less. Suck less. I know. Yeah, I'm just saying there's a world for self-improvement. We see it all the time. People go through rebrands. I mean, look at Robert Downey Jr. Nobody would have touched him in, in the mid-2000s. And now he's Iron Man. So I'm just saying, Kansas, you could be California. Well, okay. Nah, I wouldn't put California. You there. could be Pennsylvania. Everybody loves Pennsylvania. You could be that. You could be better. You could be top 20. Kansas could be top 20 as a potential if it only put its mind to itself. I'm just think comeback time. <laughs> comeback time. You hype them up. For Kansas. Up Let's go. <laughs> it's time. It's time for the campus tour, Mitch. Uh, this is. Uh, we love this segment. This is, for those who aren't familiar, our segment where we get to travel around the world of college football, the landscape, uh, visit some great places and talk about some great games. Let's start with a little reaction to the AP top 25 poll that came out today uh, after the Labor Day weekend. Uh, In the first AP poll of the season, Alabama finds itself at the top yet again. They were number one in the preseason. Uh, Georgia jumps over Ohio State. For the number two, they were number three last week, Ohio State. Now number three, Michigan four. Jumping ahead of Clemson, who is at five. Texas A&M six, Oklahoma seven, Notre Dame eight, Baylor nine. And the Trojans of USC rounding out the top ten. This is the first time they've been in the top ten since 2017, Mitch. Let's just focus on the top ten for now. I am pretty surprised to see Georgia jump ahead of Ohio State. We'll talk about these two games here in a second, the Georgia-Oregon game and the Ohio State-Notre Dame game. But are you surprised to see after those outcomes that Georgia jumped ahead of the Buckeyes? I am. I am. Ex- I Look, they, they played two top-ranked teams, right? And they were going to, like, they were going to get credit for, for, uh, for beating, you know, two other top 25 teams. However, Georgia's win was just far more convincing than yeah. Ohio State's win over Notre Dame was. Um, just far more convincing. I, I guess I don't really that have that big of an issue with it now that I think about it. Like I really don't. Yep. Georgia was more yeah, convincing I, than Ohio State, and thus they should be ranked a spot higher than Ohio State. The problem I do have is why do we have Notre Dame still in the top ten? I know hmm. they lost to Ohio State, but there are some really good teams that actually won this week that are still behind Notre Dame. Yeah. And I, I think if you're a one loss team after week, if you're a one loss team after week one, you, just, you shouldn't be in the top 10. I don't, 
I don't think you belong yep. there right now. Now that we're gonna have fair. we're gonna have one lost teams in the top ten by seasons in. Like don't get sure. me wrong, but like. Like, but how yeah. could you, if you haven't got a win on the season yet, how could you be considered a top 10 team? That's yeah. clearly projection. Like now exactly. we could just admit the whole list has always been projection and it always is. Like if that's, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that's what it is. That's what it is. But yes, I, I am with you there. I do think that's interesting. Um, I, I think a lot of the Georgia thing is people just assumed it would be a major step back for the Bulldogs this year because of all the talent that they lost on defense. But the, with the way that they recruit and the players that they bring in, they don't rebuild. They just retool right on defense and they just retooled on defense. And that defense looks as good as ever. I mean, it looks, it looks like last year's squad and they won a national championship. And what really is impressive about Georgia uh, and let's get into some of these games here from week one. And I do want to start Mitch with the Georgia Oregon game as it was the most surprising, the Bulldogs, putting the beat down on the Ducks, 49-3. to uh, It was Stetson Bennett, Mitch. Stetson Bennett, you know, it must have done him some good, you know, winning a national title and gaining a little confidence. I mean, nobody had respect for Stetson Bennett. They still don't. People want to talk about him like a scrub, even still as a national champion. Uh, but the performance that he had against Oregon – very impressive. 25 for 31, 368 through the air and two touchdowns. He ran one in as well. Just looked like he was in full control. Just looked confident. And I wonder how good he's going to be this year because he's been through it. They were doubted all last year and he proved them wrong. Now he should have full confidence that he is the guy and I mean, from the looks of week one, he certainly looks like he is the guy. He is the guy. Yeah, I mean, it. it he's still just something about him, something about him that I just still don't like. And it's probably because he beat Bama. And I'm but still holding you, a, I'm still holding a little bit okay. of a grudge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. He's probably going to be great. He's not going to be a Heisman finalist, but. I think that he he definitely let he definitely left no doubt in everyone's mind that he is the guy and that he's going to be a very competent college quarterback. Now, what does that translate to the NFL? Maybe, maybe not. But yes, yeah, Stetson Bennett looked great. He looked fantastic, and um, I hate that he did. I hate that he did because I <laughs> I still hold grudges. Bo Nix, Bo Nix looked bad. Yeah, Bo Nix is really bad. Is this game, in your opinion, more of Georgia is really that good or is Oregon really that bad? Yes. <laughs> I, 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 I think that okay. I don't yes. think Oregon is that good. And I do think that Georgia is still very, very good. OK, so um, I think the worst thing that could have happened for Oregon is Bo Nix transferring there. Um, and look, Dan Lanning's going to have a real tough time with, with the guys that he has right now. Mario Cristobal yeah. had kind of Mario Cristobal and credit to him as a head coach. I think he did as much as he could to keep that program afloat and not going all the way under, but yeah, uh, the death of Oregon ducks football was the day that Bo Nix transferred there. That's, 
that's what I have to say about that. Well, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. And Cristobal, he was always so good. The offensive lines were always great. The defensive lines were always great. The defenses were pretty good at Oregon. But what always lacked was skill position players and the quarterback position outside of Justin Herbert. I mean, they, like, they, it's not like they ever had really good quarterbacks there. Uh, Don't you at disrespect Dennis Dixon? Okay, I think that's before. Is that before Cristobal? I think that might be before Cristobal. I mean, because I mean, there's Mariota too. They did have a run of good ones, but again, in recent memory, the outlier is Justin Herbert. Other than that, they haven't had any notable quarterbacks, and uh, certainly that's the position that they're in now. But to drop from number eleven in the rankings in the preseason, you go, you lose forty-nine to three. Now they're not even ranked at all. Uh, It is all of a sudden like panic button hitting in in Eugene. Got to get things right this week. I believe they have Eastern Washington and then the BYU Cougars coming into town next week. So it's not going to, you're going to have to get things right this week because that'll be another tough test uh, coming up here uh, in two weeks. So, you know, you know what this feels like is I forget what year it was, but it was Michigan during the rich Rodriguez era. They're way overhyped. And then they go in and lose to App State. And oh, yeah, it was 07. And yeah, 07. That's right. And it's it's this call. It's this damn top 25 pre these preseason top 25 rankings that just get you so like they give you false hype about so many teams. And Oregon didn't really do anything to be deserving of the number 11 team to start the year. And now it shows that, oh, yeah. The rankings committee, yeah, they suck and they're stupid and they don't know what they're talking about. Like, just look at what you have. Bo Nix is the quarterback. That's not a top 11 quarterback. It's not. Sorry. <laughs> that's not a guy that leads a top 11 team. I'm yeah, sorry. It's not. That's It should be as easy as that. Uh, and yet somehow we just look at the brands and that's how AP voters uh, make their selections. Uh, biggest brands in college football. Uh, speaking of big brands, though, and the other, uh, the only top five matchup this week number five notre dame number two ohio state at the horseshoe right that's is that the michigan one or is that the ohio state one that's ohio state the big house is is michigan that's right okay i just want to make sure to get that wrong because that you can't mix those ones up i might as well kill myself (laughs) uh the buckeyes getting it done against the fighting irish mitch 21 to 10 C.J. Stroud looked solid. Ohio State looked solid. I don't think the Buckeyes were really impressive. I thought the Buckeyes' defense was impressive, limiting Notre Dame to 10 points, but that might just be how bad that offense is. But uh, I didn't think there – I don't think Ohio State's offense was really that impressive this this game. Maybe, again, that's a credit to Notre Dame. I don't think anybody was very impressive in this game. I just thought it was, you know, first game of the season. Kind of up and down. Ohio State gets the win. They're the better team. Speaking of overhyped, I do think Notre Dame at number five was always too high to me. I thought, you know, they're a top 10, 15 team maybe, but at top five, that always felt uh, a little high. Now they're at eight as a one-loss team, and uh, you know we'll see how the rest of their season goes. But nothing super impressive about this game other than it just seems like Ohio State, you know, they didn't do anything to make you feel like, wow, the national champ, not national championship contender real. They're going to win the title. It wasn't like that, but a good solid performance against what sh- should be one of the tougher teams that they'll face this year. 
felt like they went into like game management mode really, really quick. Sure. Like they like they just the defense was so good against the Irish that they just had to go into managing the clock as quick as possible. I mean, they ran the ball more than they threw it. Um, they played outstanding defense. I like Tyler Buchner. I think he's still got a lot of work to do. Um, and a really pedestrian, normal day for him. I yeah. think he's I think he's got big upside, but right now he's just not there. Um, Ohio State just did Ohio State things and played great defense. Even when the offense isn't clicking, they they just played great defense. This is probably going to be one of C.J. Stroud's worst games of the year, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, <clears throat> and it's not by any of his wrongdoing. It's just that they were committed to the run game from the get-go and uh, completely took advantage of what Notre Dame gave them. So um, yep. a good, solid win for for OSU, but you're absolutely right. Notre Dame, another one of those way overhyped teams that is probably going to end the season in the top 25, but I don't think that they should be flirting with a top 10 at any point throughout the rest of the year. Yeah, again, we'll see. They do've got some, you know, they'll play BYU in Vegas. That'll be an opportunity to add a ranked team. They'll play USC later this year, and right now USC is a top 10 team. So, you know, if they're they go 11 and one and their only loss is at Ohio state. I mean, that's a really good year. So they have the opportunity to be up in that conversation still, but again, uh, they'd have to look a lot better than what they looked in game one. So we'll, uh, we'll see if they get there. Mitch, uh, the biggest upset of the week by far, uh, was what went down in the swamp as the Gators took down the Utes, Florida upset, Number seven, Utah, 29 to 26. And I don't want to say I told you so to people. Because it's not that I wouldn't have picked Utah to win this game. But I always felt like the Utes were a little overrated. I always felt like seven was a little high. I didn't buy into the hype of them as a college football playoff team. I think they are certainly contender of the Pac-12. That they should be the favorite to win the Pac-12 and make a berth at the Rose Bowl again, but I see them as a New Year's six team, a top 10 to 12 team, as opposed to more like a top five team. And a lot of people had them as a sneaky playoff team, but they go down in week one to the Gators and uh, what is going to be looked like in retrospect as a better loss, right? Because now Florida is ranked number 12. They went from unranked to ranked 12 in the country. You lost on the road at Florida, you know, an SEC powerhouse, a, a respected program, that is all fine. But for a top 17 to lose like that in week one is a tough look. And the Pac-12 taking a massive hit between that and the Oregon game, which was just embarrassing. Uh, I mean, it's like all of a sudden the playoff, it's like the US, the Pac-12 playoff hopes rest on USC's fragile shoulders like what that is it's like if they lose one game it might be over it's kind of crazy how quickly that flipped it can change really really fast and we saw that again uh this week in this game um i love anthony richardson that move he pulled there at the end of the game where he (laughs) pump faked and got out of a sack and then ran it in was it made me like I made a sound I don't think I've made in a long time. I was just like, ooh, like it was just <laughs> it was such a sick move. And you know what? We saw how much of a dual threat this guy can be. Utah praised for their defense over the last few years, have, has played really solid defensive football. Didn't throw the ball exceptionally well, but he he 
didn't turn the ball over. It was the 11 for 106 and three touchdowns on the ground that he had. That was the most impressive. Um, he's definitely going to be, I think, could be in that conversation of like KJ Jefferson for one of the most athletic quarterbacks in the country. Um, his his ability to throw the ball is obviously what makes him a good quarterback, but his ability to run the football, improvise when flushed out of the pocket, and and make a big play when it needs to be made. We saw it in that pump fake play. Uh, Anthony Richardson is going to be up there with one of the most exciting guys to watch in college football this year. Yeah, no doubt. He's certainly uh, the star of week one, if there was a star to emerge from this first week of games. Uh, and impressive in that performance against the Utes. In uh, what was a pretty evenly matched game, it just came down to the wire. Utah had a chance. Cam Rising throws an interception in the end zone at the end of the game that seals the deal. If they score on that drive, the Utah wins. And so it was back and forth and was a great game. But uh, for the Utes, now you look at you know the rest of their schedule, and really you're looking at the Pac-12 conference schedule. You've got to beat USC and you got to beat Oregon, and you can't slip up against anybody else now because if you're ten and two, you're out of the playoffs. A Pac-12 team that's ten and two is not going to get in. They just won't. So you got to go eleven and one, and that bet that Florida loss better be the only one. And if and 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 hope the committee excuses a week one loss, you know, all the way across country against an SEC team, and and you might be okay. But uh, certainly an uphill battle for them as far as the playoff goes. And uh, we'll see uh, how this U team uh, responds. Mitch, final game we wanted to recap here and react to. That's uh, a, a, a top 25 matchup. Future Big 12 member Cincinnati playoff darling a year ago. Taking on the Hogs, Arkansas, a team that Mitch and I really like this year. Very excited about. And Arkansas gets it done against the Bearcats 31 to 24. KJ Jefferson, Mitch brought him up earlier. Looked really good. Four touchdowns, 223 on the air, 62 on the ground. Uh, they you know, Offense was pretty flawless for Arkansas. And I think for the most part, they, you know, this was two pretty good teams. Cincinnati ranked 23, Arkansas ranked 19. They seemed pretty evenly matched, except Arkansas just had the advantage in the trenches. Defensive line, offensive line. Arkansas was killing the Bearcats on both sides of the ball. And that was ultimately the difference and what was a pretty close game. Yeah, it was a very close game. I, I worry for Cincinnati. I love Luke Fickle, but I think that he just had the right combination of guys last year to get it done. And so, um, not shocked at all that Cincinnati lost to Arkansas. In fact, I thought Arkansas would win by more, um, Mm -hmm. KJ Jefferson is masterful under center. I mean, this guy is just an artist with the football, with his legs, with his arm. Um, I think should be, if he continues this type of performance, should be a Heisman finalist at the end of the year. Um, Arkansas could be a top 10 team by the end of the year, maybe a New Year's Six type team. Um, It would be a ton of fun to see this Arkansas team do well. Um, you hear me say roll damn tight all the time in this pod, but woo pig suey. Oh, okay. I like this. I like this Arkansas team a lot. Love this team. <laughs> I love it, Mitch. It was a, a good solid win for them. Not a, a super impressive. They didn't, you know, 
They didn't crush Cincinnati, but Cincinnati is a solid team. You know, they're going to take a step back from playoff status, but I don't think that that's, you know, that's no. not a problem by any means. And I mean, honestly, you can just look at the simple fact. I mean, they lost a lot of talent, right? I mean, just look at the names that they lost. They lost a lot of talent from last year's team, but uh, the difference in quarterbacks makes a big difference, right? Desmond Ritter is an NFL quarterback and Ben Bryant is a good college quarterback, you know, and those, those are two different things and that's fine. Ben Bryant can still win you 10 games and he can still win you in the American. And, you know, it could be a good season, a top 25 season, but Desmond Ritter is the type of quarterback that can make you a playoff team that can make you go 12 and zero. you know, that could really make some noise. And I think that's the difference for Cincinnati this year. And, uh, you know, with the Big 12 looming, recruiting will uptick. We've seen that with BYU here in Provo, Cincinnati, Houston, UCF. They'll see that, and perhaps that helps them uh, bring in better talent and, and be more consistent at that position specifically. But uh, Arkansas is going to have a good test with South Carolina this week. Uh, Spencer mm-hmm. Rattler in the Gamecocks, so that'll be a good test for Arkansas. Uh, Cincinnati going to reset here, I think, with Kennesaw State. So it uh, should be another uh, a good way to get a W in the record uh, for the Bearcats, Mitch, our games to watch this week. So this is a fun segment we're very excited for. So instead of just giving you the games you should watch this week, we decided to put a little stakes on this. Uh, Make this a little more worthwhile for both us doing the picks and for you, the listener. So Mitch and I are going to make picks every week, and we're going to keep track of these picks throughout the season uh, for college football. Uh, in a similar way that we do the NFL quick picks, but we're going to do it with slight variations. First off, we're picking four games a week from the slate of college football. Uh, so we'll pick four games. We'll, we'll make picks head to head, just win loss, right? Those will be worth one point. If we get it right, zero points. If we get it wrong one time a week, we will be able to make, uh, our lock of the week. That lock of the week is made not only picking the winner, but the winner and the line. And so you have to go with the line, not just the winner. That lock, if it hits, is worth three points. But the consequence is if it misses, it's worth negative one point. So we're going to have a bit of a game, a bit of strategy in this without not only previewing some great matchups in the college football slate, which you should be looking forward to, but as well, uh, having a little fun with it. I'm excited for this, Mitch. Uh, how are you feeling? I'm very excited. I'm very nervous about this, uh, cause this could go South very, very, very quickly. Um, but I'm really excited. I think this would be a fun way to, um, get a little bit of the gambling side in it, get a little bit of, um, it's it it puts higher stakes on our picks. They're they're consequential now. So yes, uh, it, it's nice to it's nice to have a little bit riding on these games, um, week in and week out. And I think we got four great ones to yeah. to kick off to kick off well, kick off our college football season. It's week two, but it'll be kicking off our college football season for sure. We we got to add a little uh, a little gravity to these, you know, make them worthwhile. So. Uh, excited to do that. Let's start this off, Mitch, uh, with a game happening just down the road from me here in Provo, Utah. One of the best matchups of the week, a top 25 matchup. Number nine, Baylor, traveling over to play number 21, BYU. A matchup of future Big 12 foes 
They met last year in Waco, and the Bears beat the Cougars 38-24 to in a welcome to the Big 12 moment. I will tell you, Mitch, the first thing we heard from BYU players this offseason at Media Day in June and as fall camp start, every single player brought up that Baylor game. Every single one brought it up as that was the one that just didn't sit right. We just, you know, they beat us up front. They bullied us, and we didn't like that. Everyone was like, I got in the gym. I got bigger. I got stronger. I didn't want to be bullied. And they all circled that game on the calendar as this is the game we got to win next year. This is the one. We're going to go out there. We're going to prove it. We belong in the Big 12. We could compete with these guys. And here they are, two top 25 teams coming to Provo. And I know we just started this segment off. I'm making my lock now, Mitch. No surprise here. If I'm going to start this thing with locks, I might as well lock in my Cougars for a win. BYU's favored, according to ESPN, minus three and a half. The over-under is 53 and a half on this game. But I am taking BYU and I'm locking in BYU minus three and a half to beat the Baylor Bears. I think this is the season for BYU. This is the goal beat Baylor this year is like number one on the list. And I just don't see BYU not getting it done. And what should be a, ch- a tough game, a challenging game, a back and forth game, but BYU's going to get it done and they're going to beat them with that three and a half number plus. Not going to put it in as my lock, but I'm with you hundred percent. I like BYU in this one. Um, like you said, bad taste in their mouth after, after last year's loss in Waco. Um, I think that it's very possible that this line is crushed. I think it's very possible this line is crushed. BYU not getting as much love as I hoped they would going into the preseason. Baylor maybe getting a little bit too much. I like BYU in this one as well. And you know what? I'm not they're not gonna be on my lock, but I think they'll cover. I think they'll Ken. cover. So Yeah, I mean it should be a good game, and I do think these are two good teams, but I think it's pretty fitting when the line there is at minus three and a half for BYU. That that's slightly in favor. That's not just, you know, minus three numbers, essentially on a neutral side. It's an even matchup minus three for the home field advantage. Right. But that means we're slightly leaning BYU, who's a number 21 team against a number nine team. So I think there's some credit given there to BYU. And uh, I do like that line there, Mitch. Let's go over to your team, the Crimson Tide who opened the season with a thrashing of Utah State. What, 55 nothing, right? Yeah. Shut out the Aggies. Uh, those are the Mountain West chants from a year ago. That Aggies offense was pretty good to shut them out. I mean, Bama is just on another level, uh, as we know. Uh, and they're going to get their first maybe test of the season. College game day going to be at this, a future SEC matchup. The Crimson Tide at Texas. Crimson Tide and Longhorns. Uh, Mitch, the uh, BYU, uh, Bama's favored in this game. Minus 20, over under 64 and a half. There's no fucking way I'm taking Texas. Like, I, like no. what? Texas is not back. What are we doing, people? Yeah. I can't, uh, come on. I mean, horns down, roll damn tide. 
you got to be crazy if you think I'm not taking Bama. Yeah, Bama in a, it walks off. Um, I'm also not going to lock this one, though, um, because okay. there's, a, there's a line that I like a little bit better, and I think this would be the easy one to lock, right? True, true. Minus 20, I wanna, is, that's a little risky, but you know. And I want to test the waters a little bit. I want to test the waters a little bit, make myself sweat a little bit more than I already am in this 114-degree heat. Um, and, uh, but it clearly Bama's, Bama's walking away with this one. Yeah. Hammer the over, hammer the line or the spread. Yeah, this is, this is an easy pick. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Mitch up next, a, another top 25 matchup here. We had BYU and Baylor. I, think, I believe there's three this week. Oh, by the way, I had this great stat courtesy of Max Olson. He's an athletic writer. Uh, I want to read this before we move on. Alabama is 53-0 and in regular season non-conference games since 2008. Texas is trying to become the first one to win since University of Louisiana Monroe upset Nick Saban in his first season. Gee, many Christmas. He hasn't lost an, a, a non-conference regular season game since. So good luck, Texas, this weekend. That's all I'm saying. Good luck. Like... That was pretty staggering. Uh, Mitch, SEC. SEC. We see off Florida get a big win in the swamp, uh, and they're sticking in Gainesville and coming into town with the Wildcats from Kentucky. An SEC matchup here, number 20, Kentucky at number 12, Florida. Florida right now, the Gators favored. Minus four and a half, over under 52 and a half. It's a matchup of two great quarterbacks, two quarterbacks that have potential to rise in the NFL draft evaluation state, right, in this draft class to potentially join Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud at the top. That's Will Levis, uh, the quarterback for Kentucky. And as we talked about already, Anthony Richardson, the Florida Gators quarterback. Both those guys throughout the summer were some of those sleeper names people were throwing out. Oh, if they have a big season, could they make a rise? This and that. I mean, we saw it from week one in Anthony Richardson. If Will Levis could take a Kentucky team down to the swamp, get a win against number 12 Florida and look really good doing it. It would certainly help him uh, early in this season in that conversation. So a very intriguing matchup. I'll let you take this pick first, Mitch. Who are you feeling in this matchup? I know I just talked up Anthony Richardson like he's the next big thing. But I really like Will Levis and I really like this Kentucky team. Lock me in at Kentucky plus four and a half. Wow. To upset Florida. And knock Florida back down to where they should be, which is lower half of the top 25. I think Florida is going to be a good team. I have a lot of faith in what Will Levis can do at the quarterback position. And I have a lot of faith in this Kentucky team to kind of turn around the stigma of Kentucky football um, and bring it to a to a level where there's someone that you have to be worried about. You circle you circle that game on your schedule. So lock me in Kentucky plus four and a half. Um, fuck it. Give me the over two. Give me the over. In this okay. one. I, I know that's not what I'm locking in, but I, you know, I, I yeah. like I like Kentucky here. I feel you on that over under 52 and a half. I do think it's over. I think we see 60 points, you know, 30, 29, 30, you know, something in that range. 
Uh, I'm going to go with the Gators, though. I'm going to go with Florida. I do think this Kentucky team is good. And if I was going to have to pick, I would I would pick uh, I would pick Kentucky in in this uh, in the line. Right. I don't think Florida wins over with with four and a half points. I think it's Close closer eight. than that. Yeah. If they won. Uh, but I will pick the Gators because I do think they're probably a better team right now, though. I do expect a great quarterback matchup and in great performances from Levis uh, and Richardson. Mitch, the final game this week, uh, and this is a game of unranked teams, Mountain West versus Pac-12, but an intriguing matchup nonetheless. We've got Oregon State, the Beavers, headed to Fresno to take on the Bulldogs of Fresno State. Mitch, Oregon State got a big win against Boise State last week. Boise, one of those teams that looked like the clear favorite in the Mountain West. A uh, team that had a lot of early season hype, potentially one of the better G5 teams, but they got pretty much handled by Oregon State. And Fresno State is another one of those sneaky teams in the Mountain West that I think you and I both like, that I think we both think has uh, you know potential to make some noise here. And you've got Jake Hayner, the quarterback for Fresno State, returning, uh, one of the guys we've talked about. Uh, this offseason. And I mentioned Oregon State is one of those sleeper teams in the Pac-12 to not, you know, count out. And after Utah lost and after Oregon lost, you know, maybe there's room for a Washington or an Oregon State or somebody else to make a move. So a good matchup here. Oregon State favored on the road, minus one, <laughs> over-under is at 61 points. Mitch, who are you picking here between the Beavers and the Dogs? Man. This is the one I've I've debated back and forth. I'm just not sure how I, you know what. There's definitely room for Oregon State to compete in the Pac-12. You're 100% correct, but we've seen the established success of Jake Hayner under center at Fresno State. Um, returning some pieces back, team look team was. Pretty impressive in week one. I, I got to take Fresno State here. I'm going to take Fresno okay. State plus one. Um, I think that if the – that's a shitty line to bet on too. Like minus one is such a shitty line. It's basically like just pick the winner. And, and Well, we gonna, are picking just outright on this one. Right. We don't got to like, worry for, about the for line. betting purposes, for gambling it, it's, purposes. It's, yeah, it's this is one you just stay away from. Yeah, yeah, yeah don't, don't even – Don't bet minus one. <laughs> so, yeah – I'll take Fresno State. I think it's going to be a close game, a really close game. But give me Jake okay. Hayner and the Bulldogs. I love it. It set up a very fun matchup. Fresno State is at USC next week. So, you know, if they beat Oregon State, maybe they could get ranked. Maybe they make some noise. It could be fun. I want to pick Oregon State, though, Mitch. This was one of my sleeper teams in the Pac-12. I think they're going to make noise in the Pac-12 North. And, uh, again, I you know, Oregon – Washington, Washington State, Cal Stanford. There's not a lot of teams in that division that they're going to play heavy uh, that re- I think is much better. And so I think Oregon State has an avenue to looked 10 great, wins. Looked great against have, Boise State, too. And they looked great against Boise State. So I think it continues uh, against Fresno State. Give me the Beavers. Give me Beaverton. Chance Nolan, the quarterback. Uh, you love to see it. Uh, Mitch, that's going to do it for the picks. Uh, one more thing to ramp up the campus tour and if you're listening last year you already know what this is it's the player to know before the nfl draft we did this last year i gave you a player every week that you should just you know just 
kind of keep an eye on, pay attention to, just bookmark that name throughout the college football season ahead of the 2022 NFL draft. We're going to continue that this year for the 2023 NFL draft. And every week I'm going to give you a player you need to know. And we're going to start this off with someone easy, someone you probably already know. This is not news. Maybe it is for you. If you're very unfamiliar with college football, this might be news for you. But if you've been following it all, uh, you know this guy. Mitch is well familiar. It's the quarterback of his his college football team. It's Bryce Young, the quarterback mm-hmm. out of Alabama, Mitch. And I wanted to start with Bryce Young because uh, I didn't know where else to start. <laughs> I didn't have any other better might idea. Well get the, might as well get the big one out of the way, you know. And Bryce Young is probably the favorite right now to be the number one overall pick in the 2023 NFL draft as a quarterback. It's really him and CJ Stroud at the top. As far as the quarterback position goes, will Anderson, his Alabama teammate on the defensive side of the ball, certainly going to be in that mix, but quarterback is going to be highly coveted this year. And the question about Bryce Young, the only question right now about Bryce Young is just how big is he? It is just simply like, what's his size? Now he's listed at six foot. He's listed at six foot 195, but I don't know if he's six foot 195. There, there are questions about, is he 5'10"? Is he 5'11"? How thin is his frame? He's a pretty thin guy for a quarterback. But we've seen a trend over the last five plus years. We saw it with Kyler. We saw it with, even a guy like Zach Wilson, you know, he was thin, 6'1", but two, 205. I mean, he did not have much muscle on him. And Lam- Lamar's a thin did, guy. Yeah. Lamar, and, and nobody really, you know, really paid attention about it too much. We've seen shorter quarterbacks work out like Russ, like Kyler. Baker is a shorter quarterback who's struggled. But the biggest gripe about short quarterbacks, Mitch, the biggest hangup on short quarterbacks is – They're short. They can't see over the O-line, so they don't target the middle of the field. That's the that's the that's the extension of that of that argument. Right. But Bryce Young was the highest graded player quarterback, according to PFF, on throws over the middle of the field in 2022 or 2021. Excuse me. So he's already proven that that's not an issue for him. So ultimately, it's going to be about that. His frame, his size or NFL teams bought into him. Can he add the subsequent muscle? Can he add the subsequent size to feel comfortable with him as your franchise quarterback? CJ Stroud is not gonna is not gonna struggle with that. He's 6'3, he's 215, he's big, he looks the part. So that is gonna be the the quote unquote hang up on Bryce Young. But literally outside of that, there's nothing wrong with him. He is savvy, he is accurate, he's got the uh, arm talent. And he just has a winner's mentality. He just seems like he gets it. He just seems like he gets it. That's all I can say. And that's as an NFL team, that's who you want. As any team, that's who you want as your quarterback. That guy that just he's gonna get the job done. He's gonna he knows what he's doing. He's gonna execute. He's gonna be on the right page at all times. And that is what I think those intangibles are what I think makes Bryce Young the most valuable for me right now. He is QB one. He is the number one player in this draft class. I would take him over CJ Stroud. I feel the most confident in him. Russell Wilson, 2.0, but better. 
That's Bryce Young. That's the player to know before the NFL draft for this week. I was just going to say that because that's not the first time you've drawn that comparison is he's Russell Wilson (laughs) 2.0. And you know what? Russell Wilson is the perfect example, not just in a player comp, like as far as his skill set goes, but the perfect example of short quarterbacks can make it happen. I think Russ is only 5'11". Um, And he might be 5'10". And And there was criticism about can he see over the offensive line? And Bryce Young does the same thing that Russell Wilson does is if he couldn't see over the offensive line, well, he just rolls out of the pocket and he gets creative and he finds something and he, and he gets the job done. So like, it, yeah, he, he is clearly QB one. Um, I'm calling an audible here though, because you mentioned Will Anderson as one of those guys that's going to be up there with Bryce Young in the, in the Heisman chase. Um, so I want to give you a quick little trivia question down a little college okay. football trivia. Um, because it's been a while since a defensive player has won the Heisman. Right. Do you know who the last defensive player to win a Heisman trophy was? I'm going to say Charles Woodson. Bingo. Got it. There you go. Let's go. (laughs) Let's go. Manti Teo was a runner up. He was a runner up. I watched the documentary on. Did you watch that shit? I haven't watched it yet. No. Oh my gosh, Mitch, you gotta watch it. That I've heard. I don't know if you remember it, but it was just nuts to see the whole story play out. I remember like the story coming out and how much of a mind fuck that it was. And now that they have a documentary where they deep dive into it, I'm super intrigued to know exactly what was happening and and all behind Steve stuff. So definitely on my on my list to watch is this Manti Teo um documentary but there we go that was college football question of the week we might uh, we might yeah, do that again i love it day, so. uh what year was it with charles was it 93 no no or later, was it later na- than that 97 97 okay there you oh, go who did he beat out though who did he beat out in that 97 season i'm trying to trying to think through college football was there maybe like a peyton manning in that mix at that time from tennessee Bingo. Got it. Okay. Go. Oh, wow. And on two for two. There you go. All right. Hey, you love to see it. All righty. I can't do the freaking forgotten all-stars, but I could do that. Oh, yeah. Well, there we go. <laughs> love to see it. Oh, Mitch. Oh, man. Well, that's going to do it for the campus tour. That's going to do it for the first half of the podcast. We're going to take a break and hit a mid-roll. And on the other side, we'll give you some NFL award predictions and our quick picks for week one of the NFL season. So stick around and we'll be right back. Thanks for checking out the sports hour today. We appreciate you wherever you're listening, but if you haven't already, we recommend you check us out and give us a listen on anchor. Anchor allows us to provide the best product to you. You can go support the sports hour and become a permanent part of the show. Like my saint of a mother, Sammy and my father, David did. You can even leave us voice messages with your thoughts and opinions that we can use on the show. Prove to us that you know better than me and Mitch Mo. Moral of the story, people. Be more like Sammy and David. Go find us at anchor.fm slash the sports hour guys and become a part of the conversation. What the hell are you waiting for? Welcome. Back in at the second half of the sports hour with Mitch Moe and Down. We hope you enjoyed your little break we had there. Uh, make sure to go give anchor.fm slash the sports hour guys a look. Um, be more like Sammy and David. That's always the moral of the story, folks. Yes. Um, 
Look, we did our Megasode last week. We have laid down our NFL predictions for how we think each team will wind up at the end of the year. It's set in stone. No going back now. But we have some more predictions that we need to get out of the way. And those are the awards that are going to be handed out at the end of the year. And we're going to hit on pretty much the big six, right? The MVP, Offensive and Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive and Defensive Rookie of the Year, and Coach of the Year. Let's start at the top. MVP. And this is always fun speculation, Dallin, because um, things can go terribly right for us. Things can go terribly wrong for us. I think I had John Gruden to win coach of the year one time. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. That aged terribly. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe. I was just looking through our midseason predictions from earlier uh, last year. And and even some of those, we were halfway through the season and some of those look pretty bad. Yeah. What's what's the worst one on there, you think? Ooh, worst one on here? Just at first glance. but uh, I had Aziz Ojolari winning Defensive Rookie of the Year, oh, yeah. not Micah Parsons. You wisely had Micah Parsons slotted into that. Uh, and Micah Parsons went on to win 100% of the votes for <laughs> Defensive Rookie of the Year. It's incredible. So, yeah, that was pretty bad. Uh, Aziz Ojolari, that was pretty bad. Ah, he wasn't terrible. He wasn't terrible, but that one's not. Good. I guess in hindsight, sure. Yes, in hindsight, it's not good. But we will be better with these. We'll be very oh, accurate. We we found out we suck on our own last year with these, and now it's time for us to get better, right? Because that's our motto exactly. here, Dallin. We suck. That's what we're trying to do. That's how we get better. So, Dallin, let's start at the top. MVP. Let's take a look at the Vegas odds for these. MVP candidates. Of course, everyone's MVP candidate to start the year. Um, but Josh Allen, top of the list, plus 700. Patrick Mahomes, plus 800. He's tied with Tom Brady at plus 800. Justin Herbert's fourth best odds at plus 900. And Aaron Rodgers, plus 1,000 right now to win MVP. Dallin, let's talk about your MVP pick. Okay. Well, it's going to be a quarterback. Uh, <laughs> Naturally. Big surprise. Uh, even after the great year uh, that Cooper Cup had last year, we'll talk about him when we talk about offensive player. He only garnered one out of the 50 votes for MVP last year. One vote out of 50 for Cooper Cup. 39 votes went to Aaron Rodgers, who won his second. Tom Brady uh, received 10 votes, about 20% of the share, uh, second place for MVP last year. And, you know, I teased this last week on the podcast. I said this. So if you were paying attention, this is not going to come as a surprise for you, but I'm going with Josh Allen. Cause I feel like this is the bills year. I know he had a good statistical year last year, but not great. His biggest campaign for MVP was more 2020 that season. He was really, really gone off, but it went to Aaron Rodgers that year. So just feels like this is the year that things break right for the bills for Josh Allen. He puts up big numbers and gets that MVP because the numbers don't even have to be league best. We've, we've seen that year after year. They don't have to be league leader in, in passing categories. It has to be good, but you also have to win because it is a narrative award and the bills can very much be the narrative team this year. And Josh Allen as one of the great young quarterbacks in this league, Mahomes has already won one, you know, okay, let's, let's give it to Josh. It's his time. So I'm going with Josh Allen. 
Yeah, you mentioned that the numbers don't have to be league leading, but you have to win at the same time. 2016, Matt Ryan comes to mind for that. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm I have Josh Allen as well. This is his. This is this is the. You've, we've said it over and over the last couple of weeks. This is the year everything goes right for the Buffalo Bills. It has to be. It can't end the way that early 90s run ended. It can't end that way. It has to end in winning. It has to end in MVPs. And this feels like the year that this all comes together for Josh Allen. We know the type of talent he is. We know the talent he has around him. Everything is conducive to putting together an MVP season. Uh, this just feels like Josh Allen's year. Um, did you have a sleeper? We always pick. Always. A, we always like to pick a slip, sleeper with this one. Uh, let's talk about your sleeper a little bit. I've got a couple sleepers, but I got to go with somebody. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with a player here who's never won the award, who's in a new situation, uh, and with success in a tough division, let's say they win the division. Let's say they win 12 or 13 games, and he looks excellent uh, in his new locale. The voters will buy in on the narrative, uh, and they will be pro Russell Wilson. So Russell Wilson's my sleeper with the Denver Broncos because it could very much, again, narrative award. They win 13 games if they win a tough AFC West, and Russ is really good. He's never won it. We got to give Russ the MVP. It's finally his year. Uh, I could very much see that, and I do think that Denver's due for a good season. So Russ is my sleeper. I like what it about a lot. You? Um, yeah, I went with someone who's also never won the award before. Um, in fact, only one Pro Bowl to his name. Um, I went with Matthew Stafford. I think that Matthew Stafford, with everything that he has in Los Angeles, the winning is established there. Sean McVay has built a great system. Um, Matthew Stafford, a proven veteran, uh, that the team around him just got better. I mean, they added Allen Robinson, um, lots of big hype around him going into this season. Everything else is essentially the same. So um, I don't see any reason why Matthew Stafford couldn't compete for a for an NFL MVP. Both are sleepers right now, plus 1,400 um, in the Vegas odds. That's okay. according to uh, like that. the FanDuel Sportsbook. So um, definitely not way out of the running, but, you know, not a favorite, but yeah. uh, could certainly be uh, in the conversation at the end of the year. I like it. I like it. All right, Mitch, let's jump over to the Offensive Player of the Year, uh, where last year Cooper Cup won this award. Uh, 35 out of the 50 votes, uh, triple crown season for Cooper Cup, 145 receptions, 1,900 receiving yards, 16 touchdowns. Jonathan Taylor was second in these, got 10 votes uh, with his 1,800 rushing yards and 18 touchdowns that he put up. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers also received votes in this, uh, but that's what it looked like in 2021. Uh, Mitch, what do the odds look like on this award? Um, for offensive player of the year right now, Jonathan Taylor tops at plus 1,000. Justin Jefferson at plus 1,400. Cooper Cup's also at plus 1,400. Derrick Henry at plus 1,600, um, as well as Lamar Jackson. So that's your okay. top five right now um, for offensive player of the year. All right. Um, well, I... I am actually going with one of those favorites. One of the guys near the top, Mitch, I'm going with Justin Jefferson mm. for offensive player of the year. He said plus 1400. He was second in odds there. I'm high on the Minnesota Vikings offense this year. I'm, I'm in on them as a playoff team. And I think Kevin O'Connell bringing that Ram system over is going to be great for Kirk cousins. It's 
going to be great for Dalvin Cook. And it's going to be great for Justin Jefferson, who's going to be looking at a Cooper Cup-esque season. That's the that's wow. the that's the vibe. Now, is it 145 yards and 1900, you know, or 1900 yards, 145 receptions? No. Is it 120 and 1800 and 15 touchdowns? That's a really good year, and that would also be worthy of Offensive Player of the Year. So I think he can reach those types of heights. Uh, and I'm buying in on the Vikings and that offense. So I'm I'm taking Justin Jefferson for my offensive player of the year. He's going to be the beneficiary of a lot, a lot of targets. Um, yep. You know, he, he's he's an, he's a young, talented wide receiver. He's been a fancy football darling because of the big numbers that he puts up. He's with an aging Adam Thielen. K.J. Osborne hasn't emerged yet. And then after that, it's Ola B.C. Johnson. Like, yeah. he's he's clearly yep. the number one target in that offense through the air. Um, no reason to believe that he shouldn't be at the top of uh, offensive player of the year voting. If health is good, numbers are good. Uh, he should definitely be near the top. I actually went in the same direction as you um, went with a favorite, actually went with the favorite in Jonathan Taylor. Um, we, I noted the workload last year, how he is the, he is the quintessential bell cow. Uh, yeah. When it comes to the running back position, he's a three down guy. Um, and I think he's going to get that type of workload again. Um, a la Derek Henry thinks that things that we've seen like in Tennessee over the last couple of years. Um, he's just. He's just so talented. He's more elusive than Derek Henry. He still has he still runs the ball like a Derek Henry sized guy like he, he is definitely um, an all around a uh, complete running back. And I think that we see similar things than what we saw last year. Obviously there's going to be positive regression, right? We're not going to see the gaudy numbers like in the touchdown um, category, like we saw last year with them, but I don't think it's going to be falling off the table. Like those numbers are going to be cut in half. He could still very easily be a double digit guy in the end zone, a 1500 yard guy, 1600 yard guy. And he's probably going to have to get more than that to be an MVP, right? A 1600 yard rusher is probably not going to beat out a 1600 yard receiver. Like he's going to have to maintain those rushing yard numbers. But I like Jonathan Taylor for offensive player of the year. Um, I do have a sleeper though. And, um, Right now, he's sitting at plus 2,000 for Offensive Player of the Year. Um, still not, you know, towards the middle. He's still kind of towards the top, but I went Debo Samuel. Um, I think that if him and Trey Lance kid find a connection together, he's clearly going to be used as a dual threat type guy, right? He's still going to run the football, but um, I think that what he can do on the ground and how he's going to be utilized as a wide receiver in that offense is definitely going to put him – right in the conversation is one of the best weapons in the NFL this coming season. Um, I like Debo as a, as a sleeper offensive player of the year. Okay. Best running back in the league. You're taken as a sleeper. I like that. Uh, you know, the thing with, Ta- I just want to comment on Taylor quick and I'll, I'll add my sleeper as well. Uh, 332 carries last year, 1800 yards, 18 touchdowns. And again, like all your points are great. He's going to have to get close to those numbers again to be here. But I also like this pick for you, Mitch, because there is a narrative award to this where he had a great year last year. And I think there were a lot of people that wanted him to win Offensive Player of the Year. And he would have been justified in winning it for as great as the year that he did. But Cooper Cup just came on in those last couple of weeks and put it over the edge. And so 
I could see a scenario where if there is no wide receiver season like that, you know, if nobody puts up those kind of numbers, but Jonathan Taylor has 1600 yards, 16 touchdowns, you know, and he does it again, that the narrative award says, all right, well, we got to honor Taylor for the combined two years that he had and missing out last year combined with another successful season. So I do think I like that. There's a reason why he's number one in the odds, but I like that pick for you, Mitch. My sleeper is a running back. I, it's, I'm going with Austin Eckler uh, for the mm. Chargers uh, because of just uh, all the things that he does on the offense, uh, running the ball and as a pass catcher. And we expect the Chargers to be good. We expect the offense with Justin Herbert to be good. Uh, he, if let's say he puts up close to a McCaffrey-esque, you know, thousand, not doesn't get the thousand thousand, but gets somewhere close to that. I think you could, uh, you know, kind of buy into an Austin Eckler offensive player of the year situation. Yeah, I 100% agree. He has that same still skill set. Um, a lot of people forget. I for some reason I think he's in his late 20s. He's only like 25, 26 years yeah. old. Like he came <laughs> yes. into the league really young. So yes, he has been What's here it? for like five years. But yeah, yeah. You do know, you have the uh, Do you have the odds? Is Eckler mentioned at all in offensive player of the year odds? I had to go down a bit, and so yeah. you picked a really <laughs> true deep sleeper at plus 10,000. Um, okay. Wow. Probably not a bad idea. Throw 20 bucks down on it and see what happens. You yeah. Know? I mean, I'm liking those numbers right there. I'm, I'm intrigued. Hits, I might yeah. have to head to Nevada. It's a couple hour drive, but you know, I make the, I make the move. Sounds <laughs> like you have to. Yeah. Yeah. Def, defensive player of the year. Let's go to defensive player of the year where uh, a season ago, TJ Watt wins this award with 42 out of the 50 votes after a 22 and a half sack campaign for the Steelers. Michael Parsons was second in voting. Aaron Donald third in voting. Mitch, what are the odds? What do the top five look like for defensive player of the year right now? I'm curious. Um, I'm curious the names they have up here. We got Miles Garrett at the top at plus 700. We okay. got defending defensive player of the year, TJ Watt at plus 800. Uh, Aaron Donald at plus 900, um, Nick Bosa and Micah Parsons both at plus a thousand. Um, okay. So yeah, pretty close. Plus 700 pretty. to plus a thousand in the top five. I mean, those are all. And then it jumps way down. We're looking at Joey Bosa the next down on that list plus 2500. So it jumps way down. It seems that there are very clear favorites. Yeah. Um. And then there's everyone else. Yeah. So, a clear, a clear tier of guys there. That's interesting. Well, I. Mitch, I got, I went with the guy number one on the list. Uh, yeah. I'm going with Miles Garrett this season for Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, kind of in the same way with Josh Allen, where just maybe feels like this is his year, right? TJ TJ Watts won one. Uh, you know, you you've had Aaron Donald and others win it, and Miles Garrett's been there. He's been top three in voting a couple times. He's been in that conversation as one of the best young edge rushers in the league, one of the most dominant guys, but. He hasn't put it over the top in a season with, you know, 18 plus sacks and, and some real big numbers. But he just seems like he's waiting to do that. And I feel like he's a pick that we've made for the last two seasons, three seasons. Right. That, oh, this is the this is the year he's going to win defensive player of the year. Right. This is the year it's going to happen. But it is going to happen eventually. I believe it. He's got the talent there. Uh, and then the idea here with Cleveland is that. They may not be that good, but if he's the shining star that's keeping them together while Deshaun Watson is out, when he's not playing, it's the defense that's winning games, and it's Miles Garrett just 
just wrecking teams. I mean, you could buy yourself into, wow, this is his year. Got to give him the award. So I like Garrett for this. I, I think I've picked him the last two years and haven't hit it. I think, I think that you make some great points. And for those same great points, I'm going to bring up another guy and TJ Watt. Um, We both don't think the Steelers are going to be very good, but if there's that one shining star while they're trying to figure Mm, out their quarterback situation, the offensive line is not going to be very good. If they're winning some games on defense and TJ Watt is putting together another year like he did last year, I think we could very seriously see a repeat winner here. So I'm going TJ Watt to win back-to-back Defensive Player of the Year awards. I like that. That's that's a good one because, again, yeah, if they're overperforming and it's the defense is at the top again and he's a menace, yeah, absolutely, uh, he's going to be in that conversation. Who did you have for your sleeper? Um, Not necessarily that much of a sleeper because he is in the top five of of odds right now through Vegas, uh, but Micah Parsons, um, a, just the best, most well-rounded young defensive player in the league right now. Um, he's, he, here's what the downfall for Micah Parsons is going to be because they actually did play him in pass coverage quite a bit last year. Um, and that definitely took away from what he does best, which is get after the quarterback. Um, this is really a sacks award. And if, if Micah Parsons isn't getting to the quarterback fifth, you know, 14, 15, 16 times this year, Maybe he picks a few balls off, but if he's not getting those same kind of numbers that Miles Garrett and TJ Watt and Nick Bosa are fully capable of getting, he's not going to get as much consideration. But I think that the Cowboys change Micah Parsons' role after what they saw that he's able to do when they just let him go, go get the ball, dude, go get, go get after the quarterback. I think they changed that narrative for Micah Parsons. They let him do what he does best, which is rush the quarterback. And um, he could very well be in this conversation. Yeah, uh, I mean, Micah Parsons, 13 sacks last year and finished second in voting. I think you're right there. He's going to have to get to 16 at least, uh, you know, to to be in the conversation. And then it's just going to depend on uh, what somebody else does that season. But I do like that. I had another guy in the top five as my sleeper. I thought it was more of a sleeper when I picked it because I didn't know the odds. Uh, and then when he read them off, I was like, oh, I guess this isn't so much. But I went Nick Bosa as my sleeper uh, because I, I I think of him as a sleeper. Just I, even though the Niners had a good year last year, they make the run in the playoffs. and It was largely predicated on the defense. It just seems like the Niners, since their their Super Bowl run, has just kind of been forgotten about uh, with the injuries and some of the underperforming that they've had. So I Nick Bosa is just one of those guys. It's like, man, if he just has 20 sacks this year and just comes back and people are like, oh, I forgot about that guy. He's really good. Let's give him the award. Like, you, could, you know, Niners are 111 games and they look competent with Trey Lance. Like, oh, he was really good. Let's do that. Like, I, I think he is definitely one of those names where uh, we may be forgetting about him a little bit. We think of these top guys. Yeah. Let Nick Bosa work out of the three point 100 percent of the time. I've, I've noticed a yeah. lot of. There were some instances where they stood him up last year. And the, the fact of the yeah. matter is Nick Bosa is so tall, he's never going to be low man. So, like, it, yeah, <laughs> just let him work out of the three point of like a like a three, four defense would be right. perfect for him. Um, And I and I hope that they do do that because yeah. you're absolutely right. Twenty sacks and he's right up there at the top of the conversation. Um, That guy, that next guy down, by the way, after Micah Parsons at plus twenty five hundred was Joey Bosa. So there you go. Uh, yeah. We do have to That's consider the other vote. Bosa brother. 
Khalil Mack coming into town too. He's going to open one of them up, right? Either Khalil or Joey Bosa on one of those sides. So somebody could be feasting in LA and uh, that's another good one too. We didn't even, I do have a quick question really quick. And I want to just get your thoughts on this. Are we going to see a DB win a defensive player of the year anytime, you know, in the near future? Because I I was just looking at the odds. Derwin James is the first DB that's Um, truly down here at plus 4,000. It just seems like this award's becoming more and more of a, how, you know, how many sacks did you have? And that's kind of what this award is becoming kind of like what the MVP became with the quarterback position. Yeah. I, I, I don't think so, Mitch. I don't think so because the issue that we have is that the best corners in the league who in order to qualify for this award, you'd have to get picks, right? Picks would have to be it. The best corners in the league aren't getting targeted. Jalen Ramsey is not getting enough targets in a season to get eight picks. He's just not, you know, because he's a good corner. And so quarterbacks are just not throwing his direction. And so it's this counterintuitive nature with that position specifically where they're not, if they're not in the play, it's because they are that good, but then they're not getting credited for being a good player because, well, they're not affecting a play. They didn't make a, deflect the pass they didn't pick it off so they did nothing well in reality they did a lot they shut down a whole side of the field but there's no way to statistically represent that uh and and reward that in this way and so i do think even a guy like trayvon diggs he had 11 picks last year extremely impressive but he was one of the worst cornerbacks in coverage last year he gave up some of the most coverage yards in the league Right. So, yeah, he was getting picks because he was getting targeted a lot and credit on him for pulling those down. And it made a difference, but he was also getting cooked. And so I do think that the Jalen Ramsey's, the Jair Alexander's like those tights, it's just it's going to be hard for them to win this award because they just don't get uh, there's no way to quantify the impact that they're having because there's no stats that bring it about. So I, I'm 100 percent with you, too. I was just curious your thoughts yeah. there. I, I think there was what that one year Richard Sherman was by far the, it was the Legion of boom days by far the best quarter in the league, but he only got thrown to his side like 13 times the entire year because they were just like, just don't throw it to Sherman's side. Just don't throw it over there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So it's a tough one, but yeah, I mean, I wish there was a way for them to find a way to involve those players because they certainly uh, deserve recognition in that as well. Mitch, let's jump over to offensive rookie of the year where last year Jamar chase, Wide receiver for the Bengals won this award. Uh, Chase had a big season, 81 receptions, 1,400 receiving yards, 13 touchdowns. He got 42 out of the 50 votes. Mac Jones, the quarterback, second. Creed Humphrey and Rashawn Slater also receiving votes in that. You'll love to see it. Shout out to the three voters who dropped votes for the O-linemen. I love that shit. That is great. Uh, You have to give the Hawks some recognition, man. Exactly. And those two were great as rookies. They definitely deserved it. What are the odds looking like right now for offensive player rookie offensive rookie of the year? Uh, Right now, uh, Kenny Pickett actually has the best odds alongside George Pickens. So both Steelers rookies are at the top at at plus. And he's not even starting. No, no, he's not. It's it's a (laughs) Trubisky. It's Trubisky week. Wow. Okay. interesting. All right. Um, Yeah, I I found that really curious. Uh, Damian Pierce is at a plus 1100, uh, Chris Olave at a plus 1100, and then uh, Sky Moore at plus 1200. Is your, okay. That's your top five. For that, so. All righty. Um, who, uh, who are you going with for offensive rookie of the year, Mitch? 
I actually went with number five on this list, Mr. Sky Moore. I think he's got a great opportunity oh. in Kansas City. Um, no more Tyreek Hill. Um, basically, you got Juju Smith-Schuster. You got – I'm trying to even think of the rest of the wide receivers over there. MVS. MVS. Oh, you got, yeah, Nicole. MVS. Yeah, you got Miko Hardman, but Miko Hardman is not broken out like we thought he was going to. MVS is a great complimentary piece, but not going to be a true number one weapon. Juju has struggled over the last couple of years. Sky Moore is going to have a really big opportunity to to emerge as a very important part of that offense. And he's going to have arguably the best quarterback in football thrown in the ball. So um, at least the best arm talent in the NFL right now thrown in the football. So. I really like Sky Moore's and, and you know what? What a, couldn't have gone to a better system than a Randy Reed system or an, an Andy Reed system. I just dropped my fantasy football team name over here. Damn it. <laughs> Mitch, you're Randy Reed. Don't I am Randy Reed with the mustache <laughs> and the visor. Um, yeah, I, Sky Moore, man. Great yep. system. Great opportunity. Uh, I, I love his odds to be offensive rookie of the year. Wow. I like that, Mitch. I think that's really, uh, you know, listen, I, the bet on Sky Moore is the bet on Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, right? And the and that production is going to be there. Targets are going to be there. Someone's going to emerge. And why not the second round pick out of Western Michigan? I like the Sky Moore pick. I'm going with a guy that was not in the top five, but a name that I felt comfortable with with Rookie of the Year for a while, and that's Drake London, the wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons, Mitch. And I mean, Offensive Rookie of the Year is a pure volume uh, award. Running backs, quarterbacks, wide receivers, they all can win it. It is just simply volume. And if quarterbacks get volume, they get priority. And we've seen that, right? Uh, But nobody, this is the first year, Mitch. uh, I don't remember when. I I, I had the tweet. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. Uh, because as we mentioned, Kenny Pickett is not the starter. Mitchell Trubisky is going to be the starter. Oh, here we go. I got it. Field Yates. Shout out to Field Yates. Uh, I think it works for ESPN. This is the first season without a week one rookie starting quarterback since 2007. Wow. It is really 15 years since we've had a week one of the NFL where a rookie quarterback was not making a start. And so I don't know how you could put a quarterback down. I don't know how you could put like a Kenny Pickett. It shocks me that he's number one in odds. Like I get it because again, if he plays 12 games, he'll win the award. Like unless somebody has a Jamar chase like year, he'll just win it for being a quarterback. But I mean, there's no guarantee he's going to play 12 games. He might get six and then you're not going to give it to him. So the quarterback thing's fascinating me, but Drake London is going to be productive. It is the Kyle Pitts and Drake London show in Atlanta. That's that is the passing offense there. So Pitts is going to be big, but I think London is just going to get production. He doesn't have competition in the pass catchers around him. He's going to have all the targets and volume that he wants. And because of that, I think he's going to put up big enough numbers this year. Plus, on top of that, as his size makes him a good red zone threat. And so let's say he gets just over a thousand yards, but he has 10 touchdowns. That is going to mean a lot getting those touchdown numbers. And so I like Drake London as my offensive rookie of the year. I like it. I like it. Yeah, right now he's at uh, – I just had him. Where'd he go? Plus 1,600. Plus 1,600. Just behind so, that top group then. Yeah, so a, a definitely a good bet. I mean, these names up above guys like Drake London or Garrett Wilson 
or Christian Watson are just blowing my mind. Brian Robinson's not going to be playing for four weeks at the minimum. He's he must not Drake be updated. <laughs> like, he must not be. <laughs> I, and now I got to look. But, you know, um, the line moves all the time, right? They, sure, they move no, up. I, yeah, yeah. So, um, my sleeper in this category is, uh, I think, another one for the same reasons that I'm picking Sky Moore. He's going to have a ton of opportunity, and that's Jalen Tolbert. Um, I went with Jalen Tolbert from the Dallas Cowboys. Um, no Michael Gallup. Looks like it's going to start the year. Um, CD is having some drop passes issues. No more Amari Cooper. Um, Dak's going to have to find that third guy to throw the ball to. And um, and actually, at the beginning of the year, the second guy to throw the ball to. And I think yeah. Jay, Dalton Schultz is going to be a huge factor in that offense. But I think Jalen Tolbert has the, a really good opportunity to get some good looks. Um Probably one of those guys, like you mentioned, uh, maybe a high, not maybe a super high volume guy, but might get those touchdown numbers and be in the conversation towards the end of the year. So um, I draft him in fantasy. I really want him to be good. Um, <laughs> so selfishly, I'm picking Jalen Tolbert. <laughs> I like it. You know, uh, I liked him coming out of South Alabama. I think he's going to be a good player. So uh, very intrigued. He's sure, certainly going to get the opportunity early if he shows well then that opportunity will stay with him and that will bode well uh, for the season for him. Uh, my sleeper, which uh, according to these odds, isn't a sleeper. In fact, he's got higher odds than my favorite, uh, but I went Davion Pierce. Uh, and that's just simply a volume thing. Again, talking about volume, he is RB one for the Houston Texans week one. He's won that job. And so he's going to be productive. If he gets 220 carries and a thousand yards and nine touchdowns, you know, if no, if no QB starts 12 games, if there's not a wide receiver, like he'll just win it based on those numbers. So I, I like Damian Pierce as well, though, as you uh, read, he's top five in odds. So not a very good sleeper pick. I guess. Nah, no, that, I think that is a sleeper pick because that Texans offense is not going to be very good. It's going to have a lot yeah. of troubles and he might be um, one of the bright spots in that offense uh, yep. as a young rookie he has the opportunity to do it. Two guys to keep a name on, keep an eye on, by the way, both Packers wide receivers. Christian Watson right now at plus 1,600. Um, and Romeo Dobbs plus 1,400 right now. Big, big hype for Romeo Dobbs yep. coming out of camp. Uh, seems like he's going to be a, a part of that offense. Someone Aaron Rodgers has targeted heavily um, throughout camp. Um, so just two names to keep in the back of your mind as far when we talk about volume. Guys that are probably going to have to get the volume because there's just no one else there. So two names true. to keep an eye on there. I like that. Uh, Mitch, defensive rookie of the year last year. I mentioned this earlier, but Micah Parsons won this award with 100% of the votes, 50 out of 50 votes for Micah Parsons, defensive rookie of the year. That was as no-brainer as it comes. This was the most difficult award for me to pick. Mm -hmm. By yeah. far the most difficult because with this award, it's a little more open-ended to the defensive player of the year. We talked about corners. Corners have won this award, right? Mashawn Lattimore won it in 2017. Uh, I think a couple years after that, another corner won it. So a rookie corner can win this. If they get six picks or something, they could, they could do that. You know, if, if, a if a player gets 12 sacks, they'll be in that mix. Uh, you know, it's kind of the formula linebackers with high tackles, sack numbers on, on pass rushers and interception numbers. So, I went with Aiden Hutchinson with uh, – we got to get the odds first. I, I spoiled it already, but give me the odds. I went with Aiden Hutchinson. Give me the odds, Mitch. Uh, sorry. Well, you picked the heavy favorite here, Aiden Hutchinson. Okay, plus there you 450. go. 
plus 450. That's the best odds out of that. That is wow. Okay. Um, Kayvon Thibodeau at plus 800. Uh, Then Kyle Hamilton at plus 1,000. Trayvon Walker plus 1,200. And then tied for fifth. um, Linebacker out of Utah, Devin Lloyd. And my boy, the corner from Cincinnati, Sauce Gardner. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I ended on Hutchinson because I don't know about Trayvon Walker. Pass rush numbers, like that was just not what you were drafting him for anyways at number one. Why they drafted him at number one, I'm still not really sure. But like physical upside, but he was never like, you don't look at him as he was going to come in and get 12 sacks this year. He He's a different type of player. He's going to help in the run defense. So I don't think Walker is a good candidate. And Thibodeau, I, I kind of th- wavered on. Hutchinson seemed like the most sure bet to get like 10 sacks this year. That was just simply it. Like just the most sure bet to get nine or 10 sacks and then just be top three in voting and kind of be up there at the end of the season. Number two pick, like he's going to be a a player. I think a lot of people like hometown hero in Detroit, like the narrative's good. So it's a sucky pick. I don't feel good about Hutchinson. I hated it when I made it, but I just really didn't know where else to go. See, and I disagree with you on this one because I think Trayvon Walker is a great pick for this and that's who I picked to win okay. rookie of the year. Um look, I I love his size, 6'5", 275, quick off the edge. I think that he could easily transition into a pass rush threat and I think that he will. Um I think that that's desperately what Jacksonville needs is to put pressure all the quarterback and I think that Trayvon Walker is the perfect candidate to do it. Um right now at plus 1200, um yeah, I, Trayvon, I think, is my pick right now for all the right reasons, and that's because that I think that he can transition into a true pass rusher in the NFL level. Okay, yeah, you know, the only thing about Walker, again, and I, I, I'm, I'm saying this specifically for this 2022 season, because as far as his career goes, we don't really know what he'll develop into, but sure, I feel like his run defense is going to benefit the Jags defense, and it will open up Josh Allen for a big year in the sack department. And I think that's maybe who benefits this year from that defense, as far as getting those big numbers, but you, I mean, it could be the opposite. It could be a lot of credits given to Josh Allen. And all of a sudden the guy on the other side is getting more one-on-one looks and that would be Trayvon Walker. So I do like that Mitch. Uh, who was your sleeper pick for this category? I had to go with my boy sauce. I went sauce Gardner here uh, right now at plus 1400. Um, I'm so high on sauce Gardner. I, uber talented cornerback um gonna have uh i think has the capability to come right out of the gate and get five or six picks i think that he's going to be one of those shutdown guys right out the gate that after this rookie season when he absolutely destroys quarterbacks with his ability to get to the ball have a good nose for the ball um that they're just going to start avoiding his side so i i i went with ahmad sauce gardner yeah, I love that. Sauce was the name that I thought about putting in here, honestly, as my pick, uh, just because corners are so hard. And and he was the guy that was just never targeted in college. Speaking of cornerbacks and targets and, you know, nobody threw at Sauce, <laughs> you know, at Cincinnati. So I wonder how much that'll happen in, in the NFL. And even if he'll get opportunity to make picks and make plays uh, just because of how good he is. So that's why I hesitated on Sauce. But uh, I went with I went with another corner, and this is why I went with this corner. Uh, Kyer Elam mm. was drafted in the first round by the Bills, and the reason why I went with Elam, Mitch, is because he plays opposite 
of a very talented cornerback, Tredavious White. And when you're playing that Bills defense, who are you targeting? Kyrie Elam or Tredavious White? Well, you're probably going at the rookie. So I think there's going to be opportunities for him to have five, six interceptions, you know, make some big plays because those targets will be there. Those opportunities will be there because of the the way that defense is laid out. And I do think he's talented, uh, a little underrated in that draft process. The Bills like his length, the way he matches up there in that secondary. So could be in for a big season and will certainly get targeted. So that's why I liked uh, Kyrie Elam there as my uh, as my sleeper. And uh, like Mitch, it. to wrap it up, let's go coach of the year. Last season, Mike. Vrabel won this award after going 12 and five and winning the AFC with the Tennessee Titans. He received 36 out of the 50 votes. Matt LaFleur was second, Rich Bisaccia third, Zach Taylor fourth, and Bill Belichick fifth. That was the voting for coach of the year last year. Mitch, what do the odds look like for this season? Um, Much. Look, the odds are clearly going to go up for coach of the year, right? Cause there's not, there's never a clear coach of the year candidate. Um, Brandon Staley right now is at the top at plus 1400, Brian Dable at plus 1400, um, Doug Peterson at plus 1600, as is Kevin O'Connell and as is Dan Campbell. So that there's your top five right there. Okay. Who are you going with this year as your favorite, Mitch? I'm going Brandon Staley. I think that's the clear and easy pick. Um, I think that he has an opportunity. Like, look, I, I said this last week to the chargers. Do not embarrass me. Do not embarrass me. Make a deep playoff run. If you fool me again, you're never getting picked again. You'll go 0-17 for the rest of eternity. You might be in the pit of misery for for a life sentence. But Brandon Staley is an elite head coach with a very good roster in front of him, a much improved roster. Um, And uh, the Chargers could make a lot of noise, and I think Brandon Staley is going to be a huge part of that. So I went Brandon Staley. Yeah, I like that, Mitch. Uh, Staley was my sleeper pick. Not very much of a sleeper, but not my favorite. And I'll just give my thoughts on him here since you brought him up. But, I mean, if they win the AFC West, I think that'll be enough to just, you know, they're the number one seed or two seed. And they win the AFC West over Russ and Mahomes and Vegas and everything there. I think there's going to be a lot of credit given uh, to, to them in that organization. So I do like the Staley pick. But I went with Kevin O'Connell. Mm, I, I, told I you, thought about I'm, him. Yeah, I'm in on Minnesota. I'm in on an improvement and a team that was not a playoff team last year who brings in a first year head coach who revitalizes the offense. And like they weren't bad last year. It, he, it's not going to be the case of he turns a four win team into a 10 win team. But nobody's thinking about Minnesota. If they challenge Green Bay at all in the in the NFC North. They win 11 games and the offense is top five, top 10, and they're humming. I think there's going to be a lot of love for him, a lot of love for the McVay tree, the Rams system. Uh, He seems like an easy one for me. And so that's why I went Kevin O'Connell as my pick for coach of the year. So who is your sleeper then? Let's not get confused. Kevin O'Connell isn't part of the McVay tree because McVay is a part of technically – the everyone's a Shanahan tree. Yes. Everyone's a part of somebody else's well, tree. The Holmgren tree is what I would associate him with, but okay. True. Yeah. But everyone's a part of everyone's tree. He will be considered a McVay tree guy from here on out. Zach Taylor, okay. the same, you know, all these guys. It's, <laughs> it is what I it is, know. but yes, 
Yes, yes. No, I, I love that pick. Love that pick. Uh, my sleeper, I actually have two. And, and it's because I one's a fun pick and one's, a, I think, a serious sleeper contender. So one, I went with Dan Campbell, um, plus 1,600 right now. We talked about how the Lions are going to be like that NBA League pass team. They may be just decent, but you're going to want to turn them on and watch them because they're going to be kind of fun. And I think Dan Campbell's going to make Detroit football a hell of a lot more fun than it has been over the last 20 years. Um, maybe going back to those Jim Caldwell days where he, where he's actually leading a winner at some point. So uh, I have Dan Campbell, but the one I'm really intrigued about is Nick Sirianni. Cause I have a, I'm big on the Eagles. I have them in the Super Bowl, And I really think that what Nick Sirianni is doing through, through all his quirks and everything weird that he does and ta- the, he's terrible at press conferences this guy knows football and i think that he's got a great team in front of him that he can actually do a lot of good things with so um dan campbell's for fun but nick sirianni really is that true sleeper that i'm i'm really all in on right now at plus 2000 that's a really good one mitch because again we're high on philly this year and let's say they win 13 14 games and they're the number one seed in the nfc over green bay over L.A., over Tampa. I mean, there's going to be a ton of credit given to them and a ton of credit given to Nick Sirianni. Uh, They won nine games last year, so 12-13, like that's a 3-4 game jump. There's a real case there. Actually, I'm kind of kicking myself for not thinking of that one. (laughs) That's a really good pick. I like that. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. All righty. Well, that's – Who do you got for your sleeper? Oh, wait, we already talked about it. It Yeah, Brandon Staley. Staley. That's right. Yeah, Yeah, yes. Uh, my sleeper picks, uh, we're not very good sleeper picks by the end there, but that's all right. Uh, Mitch, that's going to do it for the award predictions. We always love to do that. Can't wait for the NFL uh, season to kick off. And that's why we've got to finish the podcast here with our quick picks. It is that time of year, Mitch, our quick picks. And we got to remind the people what happened back in the 2021 season. It was a tight contest as it always is in the quick picks. It's always a nail biter. Uh, I prevailed by a single pick, one game, 156.99 in one last season. Mitch was 155.101. You hate to see it. Uh, But a tight contest, and that just builds the pressure even more for this season. I I blew a late lead. It was my 28-3 game. Um, Blew a late lead. But you know what? We're back with vengeance. We're we're coming we're coming hard this year, Dallin. We're coming real hard. I we got to figure out a, a punishment for the loser again. Um, if you feel like you have a good idea for a punishment for the loser, get on Anchor.fm/slash the Sports Hour guys. Leave us a voice message. We'll play it live right here on what uh, right here on the show. Let us know what you think the loser should be doing. Uh, come with January. January yep. is when the season ends now. So, um, again, that's anchor.fm slash the sports hour, guys. Go ahead on, get on there, leave some voice message. Dallin, it's quick pick time, baby. Let's get into the quick picks. Week one is going to kick off on Thursday night with Buffalo, the Bills. They're leaving upstate New York and headed over to the city of Angels to take on the Los Angeles Rams. Definitely game of the week. This week, a future possible Super Bowl matchup. Give me the Rams in this one, though. I think that Buffalo is going to win a ton of games this year. They have to drop one somewhere. Unfortunately, I think it's week one of the Rams 
Give me the Rams. Yeah, I'm taking L.A. in this one as well. Defending Super Bowl champs at home. And listen, we're both high on Buffalo. We're both high on Josh Allen. We have him winning the Super Bowl, but it's not going to happen in week one. Uh, That is just a tough way to start off the season. So give me Stafford and the Rams at home on Thursday night. Mitch, to kick off the Sunday slate, we've got the Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly, and they're heading to Detroit to take on the fighting Dan Campbells, hard knock superstars, the Detroit Lions. Mitch, give me the Eagles in this game. I'm rolling with Philly. It's the season for the Eagles to make a leap. We like Detroit, but give me Philly in week one. Yeah, the 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 birds from the city of brotherly love will absolutely win this ball game. Fly, Eagles, fly. Give me the Eagles over the Detroit Lions in Motor City. Following that game, San Francisco 49ers, they're leaving the Bay Area and headed over to the Windy City to take on my Chicago Bears. I've already said I do not like the Bears this year. I'm always a Bears fan at heart, but I can't ride with the Bills or the Bears in this one. Give me the wow. 49ers over the Bears. Like I said, down, I play for keeps. I play for keeps this year. Give you me the learned. Niners over the Bears. I- I mean, it's just simple. If you looked at the numbers, like what would the margin of victory have been for Mitch last year if he just simply didn't pick his Bears indiscriminately every week? Like you probably would have beat me by five. Probably. probably. You know, if you think about it like that. So I think learning, to swallow wise... <laughs> learning to swallow pride is a tough pill to swallow. Okay? Wise decision here. Uh, and I'm going to join you in picking San Francisco in this game. The debut of Trey Lance, it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be pretty, but like 20 to 13 win over the Bears. The defense shows up. San Francisco is going to get it done, Mitch. Let's go to an AFC North matchup. The defending AFC champions, the representatives in the Super Bowl, Joe Exotic, the Tiger King, the Cincinnati Bengals hosting Mitchell Trubisky and the Pittsburgh Steelers. If the new era in the Steel City, Ben Roethlisberger has gone, enter Mitchell Trubisky for at least week one. Give me the Bengals to get it done in the division. Big points, big game for Burrow and Chase and company. Uh, Big win for the Bengals. Yeah, Pittsburgh offensive line, definitely not up to snub. I think that Cincinnati's defense is going to give them troubles all day long. Give me the Bengals and a route in Cincinnati. Following that game, New England, they're leaving Oh, I'm sorry. Following that game, uh, give me right. New England. They're yeah, they're headed. They're leaving the state of Massachusetts to head down to Miami to take on the Miami Dolphins in the Sunshine State. Give me the Dolphins in this one. Um, both you and I are not high on New England. We do have good feelings about Miami. Um, I think Miami gets this one done pretty clean at home. Uh, I like the Dolphins. Don't lie to the people and say you have good feelings about Miami. You hate their quarterback. How could you have I good feelings about them? I put them at 10 and 7. Them? What are you talking about? I put them at 10 and 7. But you can't Casey feel just good about the playoffs. It. I do have good feelings about Miami. I just asked you. Oh, dude, don't start with me. <laughs> don't start with me. Not it's fair, one, dude. baby. It's, we haven't even had an NFL it's game a, yet. We're I got back, to go. baby. We're back. 
I'm going do- the Dolphins as well, Mitch. Miami, they're getting it done. Tua has a big game, tears up the Patriots defense, embarrasses Bill Belichick. Let's go, Miami. Mitch, my Carolina Panthers in a revenge game. Baker Mayfield. He lost the keys to his house, literally. First Energy Stadium. They kicked him out. He's got no home. Maybe they're letting him live in Bank of America Stadium. We don't know yet. I would love to confirm, is Baker Mayfield a resident of Panther Stadium yet, or has he found another residence? But he is looking for revenge against the Browns, and he's going to get it in week one, Mitch. No Deshaun Watson, no problem. Carolina starts the season off with a W. Yeah, um, keep pounding. I got the Carolina Panthers beating the Carolina or the Cleveland Browns at home. Um, Baker Mayfield, in only a way that he could put it, uh, said that he was going. What he was going to do to the Cleveland Browns was, I'm going to fuck them up, and I think that he will give me the Panthers at home. Following that game, Indianapolis. They're leaving the state of Indiana to head down to Houston to take on the Houston Texans. Give me Indy in this one. Houston's not going to be a very good football team. It's a tough first matchup. Big on Indianapolis this year. Matt Ryan throws for three tutties. Um, give me Indy in this one. Yeah, I'm rolling with the Colts as well. The debut of Matt Ryan in the white and blue. It's going to look good. Houston, one of the worst teams in the NFL. Chalk it up. Easy dub in the AFC South. For the Colts, Mitch, let's jump over to the NFC South where the Narland Saints head over to the ATL to take on Marcus Mariota and the Atlanta Falcons. Jameis Winston versus Marcus Mariota. The 2015 NFL Draft came a-calling. Former number one, number two, new destinations. Give me Atlanta in a little upset, you know, starting off the season with a nice win in the division. Give me the Falcons to upset the Saints at home. I have to disagree with you wholeheartedly, my friend. I think that Jameis Winston puts on performance of the week at the quarterback position. It totally exploits the weak Atlanta defense, throws for 400 yards, maybe three touchdowns. I like New Orleans in a big win over Atlanta. Um, in that game following that one Baltimore they're leaving the state of Maryland head over to the Big Apple to take on the J-E-T-S Jets 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 give me Baltimore Uh, the Jets are a little banged up right now not completely healthy Uh, still got to work a lot of things out I don't think things are going to start well for the Jets they will get better but I think Baltimore is too tough an opponent to, to hang around with give me Baltimore yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking back at that opener of last year for the Ravens in Vegas against the Raiders, and they were starting a fourth-string running back, and they had already had injuries. And remember how competitive that game was, I believe. Uh, it went to overtime. I mean, the the Ravens will battle in the season opener, and the Jets, as you mentioned. Uh, Zach Wilson is still potentially able to start on Sunday, according to Robert Sala. We'll see who it is. Uh, but whether it's Flacco or uh, Wilson, it's not going to be good for the Jets. Give me the Ravens in this game. Mitch, garbage game of the week? Sure. Okay, let's hear it for the first time this season. This is just this is just hot garbage. Straight hot garbage. You're a garbage person. <laughs> I missed it. I missed uh, it. I missed Garbage it game of the week. Coming. From the swamps of Jacksonville. 
the Jaguars headed up to the nation's capital to take on the Commanders for the first time ever. And that is the garbage game of the week, Mitch. The debut of the Washington Commanders is the garbage game of the week. Uh, that about sums up this Washington franchise in a nutshell there. Uh, I am taking the Commanders, though, to win their first ever game <laughs> over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Give me Carson Wentz and Ron Rivera, Riverboat Ron. I think good things are coming to Jacksonville, and I think they've made all the right changes for the best. Give me Jacksonville in a tight one over the Commanders, the commies, if you will, um, in the nation's capital. I like the Jags in this one. Let's transition to the afternoon slate. We got Green Bay. They're leaving the state of Wisconsin to head over to Minnesota to take on the Vikes. I like the Vikings in this one over Green Bay. Um, Vikings are a very well-put-together team. Green Bay is is lacking a lot on offense. The defense is still stout. But I think that, like you said earlier, Kevin O'Connell bringing a lot of good changes to Minnesota. The offense is going to show out. Give me Minnesota uh, over Green Bay. You know, after all the high praise that I had for the Vikings, you'd think I would take them here, but I didn't. I went with the Packers. Give me Aaron Rodgers. High on ayahuasca or whatever the hell he wants to be. Uh, whoever he throws to, it's not going to matter. Green Bay will get it done in week one. It may not be pretty, but they'll get the dub over Minnesota. Give me the Packers. Mitch, the G-Men, Brian Dable, debut as the head man of the New York Giants, and they're headed to face Mike Vrabel and the Tennessee Titans. No A.J. Brown, sort of a new look it feels for this Tennessee team coming off a number one seed in the AFC a season ago. I don't think it's that same sort of season for the Titans, but I do believe they get it done in week one. Give me the Titans here at home. I like the Titans at home as well. Um, Giants are just not going to be a very good team. It's a tough situation for Brian Dable with all the success that he's had in recent years. But, um, yeah, give me the Titans. Give me the Titans in. Not a particularly close game. Um, following that one, the Las Vegas Raiders. They're leaving Sin City to head over to the City of Angels to take on Los Angeles' third favorite team um, in the Los Angeles Chargers. I got the Chargers in this one. I think it's going to be a really tight game, a close game. Um, but I think the Chargers eat this one out by about a score. Uh, give me the Chargers. Okay, yeah, I'm going with the Chargers as well in a good AFC West matchup to start off this season. Should be fireworks aplenty. Take the over because there will be points. It'll be a lot of points, yes. <laughs> We're rolling with the Chargers here. Uh, Mitch, next game up, Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes headed to the desert. Take on the Arizona Cardinals. Mahomes versus Kyler. Kyler's got the new deal. Question marks about the Cardinals all offseason. The drama. Oh, the drama. I'm going with Kansas City, Mitch. It may be no Tyreek. Might look a little different, but we're going to trust Andy Reid, and we're going to trust Patrick Mahomes in this organization. I think that's what you got to do. You got to trust those two and, and the success that they've had together. Uh, give me Kansas City over Arizona uh, pretty cleanly, too. I don't think Arizona really stands much of a chance here. Uh, following that game, Sunday Night Football, first Sunday Night Football matchup of the year. Tampa Bay, they're leaving the state of Florida to head over to the Lone Star State to take on America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. Give me Tampa Bay on the road in Jerry World. Um, 
really like the Tampa Bay team. I think they're a top two team in the NFC right now. Um, and Dallas's struggles are going to start here in week one. Uh, give me Tampa Bay. Yeah, Dallas is a good team. I think they're a playoff team. But, man, the injuries right now, especially in that wide receiver group, are going to be a tough way to start this season. Uh, that and the the offensive line looking a little suspect to start. Uh, I'm going to go with the Bucks, getting it done on Sunday night football. On the road, Mitch, and that leaves us with Monday night football and a great a great story. Not a great matchup, not a great game, but a great story as Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos start off their season in the new era of Russ in Denver, returning to where it all started for him in Seattle to take on the Seahawks. Pete Carroll still there. He just left like months ago in the very first game for him and his new team right back in Seattle. I love the way the NFL scheduled this out, putting this week one here. Uh, Denver's going to win, and they're going to win big. I don't think, I'm, you know, listen, Seattle fans, I'd love, I'm sure they'd love to see Geno Smith just, like, light him up and beat Russ. I'm sure they'd just love to see it after it all, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think Denver's going to get it done easy. Got two words for you. Let's ride. Let's ride. Give me the give me the Broncos over the Seahawks in the PNW. Uh, yeah, should not even be a close game. It should, it should oh, be. A I love that, Mitch. Let's ride. You love to see it. Well, that's it for the quick picks, and that's it for the podcast. Wow, it has flown by, Mitch, but a ton of fun. Uh, so excited to be in this time of year uh, and have these regular segments. So every week on the podcast, you can expect the quick picks. You can expect the campus tour. We'll be doing week by week NFL recaps as the season progresses and digging into all the, all the stuff there. So you'll have that to look forward to uh, and much more. It's a good time of year to be uh, listening to the podcast. If you haven't subscribed already do that. Uh, if you haven't followed us on our socials, the Twitter is at sports hour guys, Instagram at the sports hour guys, the TikTok at the sports hour guys. You can also follow the website at the sports hour guys.wordpress.com. Follow me on Twitter at Dallin Graff. It's a lot of BYU content now, I understand, but uh, I try to mix other stuff in there. Uh, and uh, yeah, Mitch, remind the people one more time about Anchor. Anchor is the only place that you can become a permanent part of the conversation. Make sure that you go to anchor.fm slash sports hour, guys. Leave us a voice message. We'll play it live right here on the show. What is your favorite game of the week? Did we pick the right garbage game of the week? Did we pick the right game of the week? Let us know your thoughts at anchor.fm slash the sports hour guys, where you can become a permanent part of the conversation. You can listen to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. That's the Apple podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen, you'll find the sports hour there. Get on Apple podcast. Leave us a rating review. Tell us that we suck because Dallin, that is the only way that we can get better. It is the only way that we could get better, and we'd very much like to do that. So please go ahead, take it upon yourself to do that. Leave us a rating, interview. We'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, and got a lot of fun, a lot of games to watch this weekend. It'll be uh, a ton of fun between college football and the NFL kicking off here. Uh, and we look forward to breaking it all down next week with you here uh, on the podcast. So until next time, we love you. We appreciate you. And we will catch you next week. Goodbye, everybody. And a very pleasant good evening to you, wherever you may be. See ya.